Well, good, good morning to you. Lovely to see you all here this morning. And I just add my Happy New Year to everyone else's. Um, I wonder, have many of you made uh, those New Year resolutions? Um, If you're anything like me, you'll soon forget them. Um, But I hope that you will join me in keeping just one resolution this year, and that is to talk about Jesus. Uh, Let's let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you um, have allowed us to meet here in person and online. Um, We thank you that you have promised to be with your people in these difficult times and all the way through the next year. We ask you that this morning that you will open our hearts and minds to hear and understand and then to act on your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been learning a lot about Jesus from the Gospel of John over the last few weeks, haven't we? And um, it's all been about who Jesus is. And that's very important to what we're going to be learning this morning. Just to recap some of the things we've learned over the last few weeks in verses 1 to 34, where we have seen that Jesus is the light. He is the message of hope to those who are lost in the darkness. And it's a message from the agent of creation. See, John tells us that Jesus is the life giver. Everything that was made was made through him. And then we had Jesus announced by John the Baptist, who went to great lengths to make sure that everyone knew that he, John the Baptist, was not the light. That it was the one who would come after him. It was Jesus. And that through the sovereign grace of Jesus, a people would be given the right to become children of God. And it's absolutely clear that this was through God's will and not their own. John preached repentance, didn't he? Um, And that it was only through the light that we can be redeemed. Real, permanent, eternal change is only possible through Jesus. And John tells us that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, the light of redemption. And it's his light on which this church is founded. And it's the light that is contained in God's word in the Bible. And here we see Jesus at the start of his ministry. And in the next 11 verses, we'll see how people become a part of God's family. And we will see that this is the purpose that is given to all who follow Jesus. We have here a picture of how God's people, his church, will grow. And it begins with who Jesus is. And we will see this in the response of five very ordinary men. And so our first point is, how do we come to know about Jesus? How does anybody become to know about Jesus? Well, usually it's because someone tells us about Jesus. And I suppose what we need to be thinking is, well, how do we share the good news about Jesus in a way that is effective? I mean, where do you start talking about Jesus? And beginnings are very delicate times, aren't they? Um, They're often make or break in any relationship, um, whether you find it easy to talk to people or whether you find it difficult to talk to people. Well, how do we normally get to know someone new? Well, usually we start with a name, don't we? Uh, Perhaps then we talk about what they do or ask where they're from. It's general polite conversation that allows us to get an indication of whether we want to know more about this person or whether we want to say goodbye as quickly as we can and move off somewhere else. Well, John gives us a good example about here, about where we can stand. And we see in verses 35 to 36 that he's only with two of his followers. One of them is Andrew, and the other, although not named, is John, who is the writer of this gospel. He often left his name out, not through false modesty, but because he doesn't want to get in the way. The gospel message he has is about Jesus and not him. 
Now it seems like a small beginning perhaps, but we have John here, the faithful servant, pointing to Jesus and saying, behold, or really look hard, pay attention. Here is something that is being revealed. Behold the Lamb. So he begins with an introduction about who Jesus is. Jesus has come here, it would seem, to meet these two men. John, as we've seen, introduces him as the Lamb. Now that's a great starting point for, for, for further conversation, isn't it, about who Jesus is. Of course, they were t- these were two of John the Baptist's followers. So they already knew that the Lamb was a reference from the Old Testament. And it's one, it's the Lamb who makes the reconciliation with God possible. The person who will fulfill the Old Testament's blood sacrifices once and for all. The Passover Lamb that marked out God's people so that the angel of death would pass over their homes when they were held captive in Egypt. Um, Or perhaps you might want to look in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, about the one who would bear his people's sins that would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. In the Old Testament, it is the lamb who takes the punishment and brings peace between God and his people. Until Jesus came, um, the Old Testament sacrifices had to repeat it every year, but now there is a perfect sacrifice that has taken away the sins of the world. Here he is, Jesus the Lamb. And this is the purpose of the church, is it not? To follow the example of John the Baptist, we are to share with anyone we can who Jesus is. And we have to do it because God calls us to. Because there is no other organisation on this world, however honourable or moral or ethical, that would point to the redemption and salvation of a people through Jesus. There is nothing else for our church to talk about. Jesus is the light of salvation. And there's no time to worry about any other issue. You see, these guys who we meet in this passage tonight, they they all had the same pressures and worries that everyone has always had. Um, Perhaps they've gone to to John to find out an answer, well, you know, is there a little bit more to life? I mean, and their lives up to this point would have been all about, just like our lives, about work and money worries and any other thing, relationship that you can think about that make us have to make choices in our life. In verses 43 to 42, we can see that they really are just like everyone else. Their wants and desires are based on those offered by the world. Well, John's baptism, he taught, was for repentance, a forgiveness of sin, salvation that comes from God. And here John says, behold the Lamb. John is is sharing his experience and his knowledge of who Jesus is. Now actually, this is where it stops for a lot of people, isn't it? Just like any introduction, there are, there are really only a couple of options about what to happen. You know, firstly, people can say, oh, how interesting, and move away. Or they can just nod their head, say nothing at all, and move away. Or maybe they can express an interest in finding out a little bit more. Now, the first or second are the more likely events when you start talking about Jesus. Um, but it's the third one that makes the difference You see, our second point is that we have to tell someone about Jesus. We say this is Jesus' name. This is who he is. Like Andrew and John, some people will choose to find out more. And we've got this picture here of Andrew and John sort of trailing after Jesus as he walks down the road. And and you can imagine it all being a little bit awkward. Maybe because, well, they're they're a bit bit daunted to find out that John said that he's the lamb. And how would you ask someone, are you the lamb? I mean, you can understand they're reticent, can't you? 
But what is important is that they're following him to find out more. And notice that it's Jesus who turns to them. It's Jesus who speaks here for the first time in this gospel. And he asks, what are you seeking? And up to now that they've said nothing. So Jesus comes to them. That's a really important point. I I once heard the idea this way. Um, Sheep don't go looking for the shepherd. It's the shepherd that goes looking for the sheep. So what are you seeking? It's not just a question for them, but for all of us. And actually, it's a pretty penetrating question. He's asking us to look at ourselves. I mean, why are you here this morning? Why are you listening to this? This isn't a question about who Jesus is. It's a question about who you are hoping Jesus will be. What are you actually seeking? I mean, what do you want really in coming to Jesus? Do you just want a comfortable life or power or success? Have you been trusting in just what you can do and now you need a problem-fixing genie to sort it out? Are you following the ever-changing goals of the world and you're just tired to have to jump ship when the next fad arrives? The point is, are you clear about why you are looking for Jesus? Was it because you feel that you are missing something, that there's a God-shaped hole in your life which nothing you can do has been able to fill? Well, Jesus answers his too soon to be disciples. Come and see. A personal invitation to meet with and find out about him. Is he the Lamb of God? Is the question that they want answered. Well, for those of us who have followed Jesus for some time, we've perhaps forgotten to meet with Jesus and put that meeting with God further down the list in our priorities. Is our focus clear? Whether you are looking for the first or the hundred and first time at Jesus. There is, I think, a sense of urgency and importance for every individual because whatever you choose will have eternal consequences. And sadly, so many people say no. Often, when people feel challenged by this, they say they want a personal sign. Have you ever had anybody say that? You know, um, you know, it's like you're asking the creator of the universe to come down and give you an extra special sign just for you. I mean, the Bible has over 300 prophecies about the coming of Jesus in it. Well, as the lamb, he went to the cross and died. Well, there's a sign about who he is. If you came and meet him in his word, you would know that he came to die for anyone who would trust in him. This is the man who fulfills them all beyond any possibility of coincidence. He gave his life. I mean, what more can you ask of someone? Well, some will refuse to meet Jesus, deliberately ignoring any of the signs given. Now, if this is the first time that you've come to hear the Bible, are you clear about what you are seeking? If you are, then come and find out more about Jesus. Because he is giving us a personal invitation to know him more. And this is our third point. He tells them to come and see. In answer to their question, where are you staying? Which seems a little bit of a disappointing question, doesn't it? Um, But it's really a polite way of asking to have more time with him. They want to know him more, to see where he's come from. And they call him rabbi, don't they? Which is a a mark of respect. Um, a, A teacher, it means. They're submitting to his authority. They are open to finding the truth for themselves. Jesus' offer is what they are hoping for. And so they go and stay with him. And when they return, they're changed, aren't they? They've spent a few hours, and yet they come back convinced of who he is. And it is who he is that drives them to act. You see, what's the most important thing that they can do to serve God? It's to tell others who Jesus is. And like, like Jesus, invite them to come and see. 
Here we have our Redeemer's gracious invitation for people to know him personally. It's an invitation that is open to any and everyone. Earlier in the Gospel, there were a bunch of officials who came to speak to John the Baptist. Now, I suppose you would think that these would be the ones that a new leader would talk to, the religious leaders of the time. But no, John tells us later in his Gospel that Jesus will have nothing to do with them. Jesus speaks to Andrew and John, who are just hoping that their Saviour has come. And isn't it amazing to think that John the Baptist, the last and greatest prophet of the Old Testament, who here represents the whole of the Old Testament, faithfully points to Jesus. And Jesus the Lamb makes his offer to two, if I may say so, non-entities. Firstly, to know Jesus and who Jesus is, so that we can understand our need for Jesus the Lamb. Andrew and John have learned what their biggest problem is. They are sinners. They cannot save themselves. And we are all in the same position, in that we ignore God, we don't put him first, and this is sin. They were waiting for the Redeemer to come. We now know that the Redeemer has come, and he has promised to all who place their trust in him to be, that they will be forgiven. Here is Jesus' delight. God has given his people the privilege of pointing others to that light, even if you find speaking daunting. And speaking to people can be daunting, can't it? But take heart, because meeting Jesus is only made possible by the power and authority of Jesus. So here we see the authority of Jesus. So what have we seen so far? John has pointed to Jesus as the Lamb. Andrew goes to find out who he was. He wasn't only convinced of that, but now he knows him as the Messiah, which he shares with his brother Simon. We have found the Messiah, a different name for Jesus. Andrew is convinced by knowing more about Jesus. And isn't it great? Andrew here, he's only been a disciple for a few hours, and already he started witnessing. And maybe just take a moment to think about, well, when was the last time you witnessed Jesus to someone? Is it a few hours, days, weeks, years? And it doesn't matter whether it's a successful one or not. Have we actually done it? What Andrew does is share his personal understanding with his brother Simon. Now, Andrew knows Jesus as the Messiah. And this is what brings Simon to find out about who Jesus is. He's the coming king, the one who will accomplish God's divine plan. Messiah and Christ both mean the anointed, one who is set apart to be king like David, or to be a a priest like Aaron, or a prophet like Elisha. King, high priest and prophet, all combined in Jesus. You see, it's meeting Jesus that makes the difference. What gets in the way of us doing this? Well, we perhaps fear ridicule and hostility, or perhaps we've just gotten lazy. But this is all about us. This is about us getting in the way. We have to remember it's about Jesus. It doesn't matter that it's taking us out of our comfort zone. We are asked only to point to Jesus. Jesus knows what's inside a person's mind and heart, and it doesn't matter where your starting point is. He knows us. And it's him that makes the change possible. So what are we waiting for? Why can we be so reluctant? Well, one of the things we often say is, well, I I don't really feel confident that I know enough to be able to talk about Jesus. 
yeah, how much do we actually need to know? Well, we, we, clearly we won't know everything there is to know. I mean, but looking at what we've learned this morning, how do we start? Uh, what have we seen so far? How can you share? Have you actually thought about it? Well, what happens if someone asks you and you say, well, I think Jesus is the Lamb? Well, what next? Well, you'd say he came to save us from sin or he came to save us from judgment. I mean, you know, why don't you try it out with a friend, a Christian friend or a Christian family member? You know, just note down the name or title of Jesus. And can you think of the reason for that title? What does that title actually mean? Now, I'm not asking you to write out a whole term's worth of hour-long lessons or lectures. Just a sentence or two that will get a conversation started. We can all do that, can't we? So how did Simon react, to Jesus, uh, Simon react to Andrew's witness? And why did Jesus change his name? Well, you see, this just shows Jesus' authority in his knowledge of who we are. If you know anything about Simon or Peter, you can imagine that we had jumped up and dashed off to meet Jesus. And as we see in the rest of the Gospels, Peter was pretty impulsive and rash and perhaps a bit of a know-it-all. He definitely suffered from foot-in-mouth disease, as it's been said. I'm sort of brought to mind of an old character from a TV show, um, Dad's Army, some of you may remember it, and there's a character called Lance Corporal Jones, and he's always volunteering. Oh, I'd like to volunteer, sir. Let me be the one. I can do it. I can do it, sir. However unsuited to the task at hand. In fact, he would usually be the last person you would want to choose. Well, in all the things that Peter did and said recorded in the Gospels, he was only right once when he declared in answer to Jesus' question, who do you think I am? And he said, you are the Christ. But he then shows he doesn't really fully understand because he gets it wrong immediately and he denies that Christ has to die for him. You see, when Simon meets Jesus, when we meet Jesus, he changes us. And it's shown here in the changing of Simon's name. Here we see Jesus' authority and knowledge of Peter. And it echoes God's changing Abram to Abraham and Jacob to Israel. He made them able to serve his purposes. And he gives us the same opportunity here as he gives to any who trust in him. Who Jesus is, is the reason we can talk about him. Jesus knew Peter very well. He knew that on the night that he would be crucified, that Peter would deny him three times and be totally humbled. But Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter, which means the rock. He would be a solid and faithful leader of the church. This is the person he will be, the Peter to come, that Jesus sees. Jesus has authority and power to change lives, whoever we are, wherever we come from, whatever our starting point. After the resurrection, Peter spoke to crowds of thousands, and thousands came to know Jesus through Peter. What about John, the writer of our Gospel? Well, early on in the Gospels, he was called the Thunderer. But now we know him better as, a, as the Apostle of Love. They have much to learn at this point, but it doesn't stop them from sharing who Jesus is straight away. Sharing the, the truth about Jesus is not the job for a particular set of Christians, but it's the call for us all. We all have family and friends to share it with, don't we? And that's our starting point. Consider that while we are given the privilege of sharing who Christ is, it is the Lord Jesus that makes it possible. And so our next point, it was we asked to come and see. Jesus gives them a personal invitation to know him more. We see in the call to Philip that Jesus deliberately chooses to go to Galilee and to find him. And Andrew then extends the invite to Peter. Peter extends the invite to Nathaniel. 
in 43 to 49, we see that Philip might not know Jesus yet, but Jesus knows him. And he says, follow me. And it's a straightforward command, and Philip obeys. Again, we see that knowledge and time spent with Jesus leads Philip to sharing his knowledge of who Jesus is to his friend Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel's name is actually only mentioned here, this once, um, although it's generally accepted that he is actually Bartholomew, Bartholomew being the last name in the rest of the New Testament. And he's always, and Bartholomew is always mentioned as being with Philip. In these verses, we see that Philip refers to the Old Testament as the writing of Moses, the law, and the prophets. Essentially, he's saying that here is the one who fulfills the Old Testament. The Bible has pointed to Jesus the whole way through. But Philip here seems to make a bit of a mistake. You notice it. He says Jesus was from Nazareth. Well, Nathaniel says that nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Well, was Nathaniel just being rude? Well, I, I doubt it. Nathaniel was from Galilee, which apparently had a much worse reputation than Nazareth. And it seems a petty detail to introduce at such a time. But Philip, now, he has shared who Jesus is, follows Jesus' example in saying, come and see. Now, I know that for many, sharing the gospel find it difficult because they're worried about making a mistake. Well, it didn't stop Philip from sharing. He gets one thing sort of wrong. In the Bible, people are often called by their name and the name of the place they were born. So he calls Jesus of Nazareth. Although Jesus had been living in Nazareth, he had been born in Bethlehem. And Nazareth is not mentioned in connection with the Messiah in Scripture at all. And it's a point that Nathaniel seems to be fully aware of, which explains his question about Nazareth. He quite naturally has doubts. And of course we all do when we first hear about Jesus. Well, Nathaniel says, come and see, come and meet Jesus. And so Nathaniel does. What does Jesus say in these verses? Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. That's how he's greeted. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Um, So what does it actually mean? Well, to be an Israelite, to be Israel, means to be the people of God. A people set apart by God for himself. The name Israel was given to God by Jacob. Now, Jacob was a deceiver and he'd stolen his brother's birthright and ended up on the run. And God changed him, signalled by the name change. So why mention that Nathaniel was an Israelite at all? Well, a true Israelite would be waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Jesus says of Nathanael that in him there was no deceit, that Nathanael was a godly man looking for the promised Messiah. And he found him. Now I hope you're encouraged here. Sharing the gospel is not about a huge organisation or years of training. You don't need a pass mark or a degree. It is just faithfully sharing your personal knowledge of who Jesus is from God's word. And yes, we will all make mistakes, even if we are faithful. Philip made one, but it didn't change the outcome God had ordained. You see, could you tell someone that Jesus is the Lamb of God? Could you then add what it means and why it's important to you? See, as we, go, as we grow as Christians, our willingness and ability to share faithfully improves when we realise that it's not down to us, but it's all down to Jesus who is the Word. We all need to do this more. And it may be hard, and it will be hard, But this is how God's kingdom grows. Look at the amazing results. What could be better than seeing someone come to Christ? Here, clearly seen in this whole passage, is how Jesus knows our very hearts. 
He had asked Andrew and John what they were seeking. Were they clear who they were hoping to find? In saying to Peter that he will change him to be able to serve Christ faithfully. Calling Philip, who follows at a command. Jesus knows Nathaniel, who's amazed and can see who Jesus is. And Nathaniel now calls him by another two names. He calls him um, the Son of God and King. Well, the Son of God, that's an intimate family relationship, isn't it? That is being offered to all who trust in Jesus. And he is the eternal king forever. His authority and power are shown in knowing what Nathaniel was doing before Philip had even arrived to talk to him. Did you notice that? I mean, it seems a small point, you know, to say, well, you were sitting under the fig tree. But it was a private moment for Nathaniel. Perhaps a time of prayer and reflection. Well, of course God knows where you are. And more importantly, what's in your heart. And many reject Christ because of this. But nothing that we say or do is hidden from him. So we can actually come to him and tell him anything. And we come trusting in his forgiveness for our salvation as the Lamb. This is, of course, not a license to go out and do what we want. It shows the amazing truth about God's grace and mercy. The good news is that what he offers is so much more than anyone could ever deserve by their own efforts. Changed for the better for eternity. And so we come finally to this promise that Jesus makes in verses 50 and 51. At this point, perhaps his, follow- his new followers probably only saw the kingdom of God as Israel again. But Jesus was and is the king of an eternal kingdom. And here he makes this astounding promise. You will see. Here the you is plural. So he's not just speaking to Nathaniel. He's speaking to everybody who was there and everybody who will come to trust in Christ through the ages. He says to to Nathaniel, you believe because I saw you? Well, think again. You are going to see greater things. And then he has this phrase, truly, truly. It means in truth, in the very truth. It's the first time he uses the phrase in in, um, John's gospel here. Out of 27 times that it is used in the whole of that gospel. And when it's used, it means that what is said next is absolutely certain. And what does he say? Heaven is opened. Truth is revealed. We have this communication. Angels are ascending and descending. It shows the way to heaven. And it's reflecting, isn't it, the dream of Jacob's ladder that he had. What Jesus is saying here is all communication with God, all reconciliation will be through the Son of Man. Another title for Jesus. And in these verses, we see the Son of Man in Daniel and in John. Um, I saw in the night um, visions, and behold, uh, with the cloud of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." And later in John says, he has given him authority to um, ex- execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. The Son of Man, the one who is put aside by God to, and given all authority. We will see heaven opened. We will see that there is reconciliation between God and his people and that people will be adopted into his family to God and eternal life. All of this is placed on Jesus. 
The way to God is now and forever, only through Jesus. What a gospel we have to share. So just to finish, meeting Jesus changes us. We go from not knowing to knowing him. And if we truly know him, we want to find out more. And everyone has a personal invite to come and know Jesus for themselves. So why not make it? If you have, then we can share this truth about Jesus and why he came. And we have to be ready for any opportunity to share who Jesus is. We have to be ready to invite anyone who can to come and see Jesus, the Word of God. So others too can come and know and share the truth. However scared we are, however worried we are, however poor at speaking we think we are, remember it is the work of the Lord of the Lord that calls and changes people, not us, not our clever arguments. We have to remind ourselves to trust in that and to talk about Jesus. So maybe the one New Year's resolution to keep this year is to share Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we ask that you will encourage us and give us the opportunity to share the good news of the gospel, to share Jesus with any and all around us. Father, I ask that, um, that we, will let you, we will trust in your promises that, to equip us and that we will be able to speak faithfully so that others may know you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.